You are listening to the Lucha Central Podcast Network. And now, Lucha Central Weekly. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. This is the podcast that lets you know all of the latest happening in the world of Lucha Libre. Each week, our team discusses news and events from this past week, as well as previewing the week ahead, covering Mexico-based promotions and top independents, along with Luchador-related news from throughout the United States. The Lucha Central Weekly Podcast is part of the Lucha Central Podcast Network on LuchaCentral.com. This podcast and others from the network are available on all major podcast streaming platforms like iTunes, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Google Play, Speaker, and Podbay. Also, we are streamed at TheChairShot.com, your source for wrestling news and analysis. My name is Miranda Morales. I'm one of the co-hosts of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast, and I don't do this show alone. No, 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 no. I do this with my two co-hosts, and so let me bring him in. Introducing first, he is the dashing one, Mr. Dusty Murphy. Dusty, how... How's it going? Oh, it's going pretty great. How's it going for you, Miranda? It is going very, very well. Uh, I'm excited for this week's show. We got so much oh, to I talk know. about. Uh, I cannot wait. So without further ado, let's bring in the third member of this trio team, and that's who? 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 It's the one and only Brendan Barr. That's Heck who? Yeah. Hey, how we doing? Pretty, pretty, pretty darn good. Good. Yes, I'm refraining from cussing. Uh, just in case that whole YouTube thing. I don't, I don't know. I mean, this, yeah. this is revealing behind the curtain. Um, however, we've had some kind of age restriction for our YouTube um, uh, version of this cast. Not that it's a video. It is just the audio. But uh, apparently we're continuing to have troubles where you have to uh, log in to YouTube with your age um, and so we've been joking that it was the one time Brendan may have cussed. Um, yeah, that could I have been. They were tired of our poop. That's all I said. They were just <laughs> tired of our poop. And, uh, but I promise you that the Sam Adonis interview, which is where I found it again when one of my friends wanted to listen to it, uh, does not contain any adult content. <laughs> Parents, it is fine to let your children listen to this interview. Yes, yes. Sam Adonis may be puro rules. But he keeps it PG. So, yeah, family friendly. That's what we was what we aim for. Um, yeah. Yes, our interview with Sam Adonis is available on LuchaCentral.com and all of the major podcast streaming platforms, as well as at TheChairShot.com. It was uh, this past Wednesday's episode of ChairShot Radio. Uh, so make sure you listen to that interview. A fantastic one with Sam Adonis, who continues to, you know, take the independent wrestling scene by storm. Um, he may be coming to a town near you, or we may see him again somewhere, I don't know, in Mexico. Who knows? 
but a yeah. fantastic interview with Sam Madonis um, that is now available for all of you to listen. Uh, but before we get into this week's news, uh, you know, last week we did a birthday shout out to Jerry Villagrana, uh, you know, a friend of the show, Lucha Libre photographer and just amazing human being. This week, the birthday shout out goes to the boss man himself, Mr. Cle- Kevin Kleinrock. El Jefe. Uh, El Jefe. Yeah. <laughs> El Jefe. The boss. Uh, the boss man, a big happy birthday to him. Hopefully him and, and his family, uh, had a wonderful time celebrating it. Uh, Kevin is, you know, really the, the, the man who runs the place at luchacentral.com, uh, yeah. and Mass Republic and so much more. The man has his hands in so many projects. Um, but it's cause he's that darn good. Yeah. So. Also, he never sleeps. That's yes. true. He works like 20 hours a day, yeah. but but it pays off. He's had a great week. I don't want to give any of his stuff away, but yeah, he's had a great week. So it's yeah. nice to see how the hard work has really paid off mm-hmm. for Kevin. Yes. Especially and we, on his birthday week. Yes, right? his birthday yeah. week is really celebratory. But I know we, uh, as, as a trio, greatly appreciate Kevin and the work that he puts in uh, to LuchaCentral.com and Mass Republic. We are fans of his, absolutely. Um, and he's just uh, amazing to work with. So if anyone deserves a great birthday day and week, it is Kevin Kleinrock. Yeah, happy birthday, Kevin. Feliz cumpleaños. All right. Well, again, we talked about how packed this week's show is, so we're going to jump to it. Brendan, take us through the road back to shows. Awesome. Okay. So Mexico City is, in fact, still green, uh, but there's still weirdness afoot. Uh, They are about to either – by the time you've heard this, they will have raised the limits at Arena Mexico again, so they will be more full-looking crowds if you watch CMLL events in particular – uh, but other things are going on. Arena Puebla has uh, not – they've teased that they want to have a return date, but they've not announced things. And there are a couple different sources. Uh, I had to turn to Cubs fan over on Lucha Blog for, for some of this information. Uh, hopefully we have some follow-up on Lucha Central. But if you want to read about it right now, I'm afraid I have to send you over to that other guy who also does pretty good coverage. But – Lucha Central. Go to Lucha Central. Um, anyway, what he's, what he's found two theories is that there's, uh, some people involved in management that say they need more than the current 500 fans that are allowed in Arena Puebla in order to break, even break even on the shows, uh, which is a perfectly valid and reasonable stance to take to, to not open your doors if you're just going to hemorrhage money. Uh, the other the other theory is that uh, if the government inspects the building, they may find that it is not up to code and hasn't been for some time, which would increase other uh, expenses. And that I mean, the, the rumors are that that goes all the way back to one of the last earthquakes. So um, also about money, but a lot less reasonable <laughs> and understandable. <laughs> so, uh, you know, uh, it's hard to say, but. It's good to know that we're back to normal wrestling politics <laughs> as opposed to uh, anything COVID-related at this point. Uh, the uh, Arena Puebla does have an anniversary coming up in the near future, so I'm honestly expecting that there will be a a date for something announced soon. Even if it's uh, if it's not at Arena Puebla, they might do something 
somewhere else, but we'll see. I mean, that's just me speculating. That's that's not even a thing anybody's talked about out loud. Uh, but also talking about returns to wrestling, our friends at Pro, Ref- Pro Wrestling Revolution uh, down, you know, the ones that do the, the Lucha masks. And we've talked to about what an awesome school they run and all that fun stuff. We, I would call them friends of the show, but at this point, it's kind of a one-sided friendship. We talk really, we say really nice things about them and they say thank you. A friendship. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yes, yeah, we're acquaintances. That's maybe one day we'll get to the next level. Really, sounds we're like describing my my dating life in high school. <laughs> I'm having some flashbacks, so please continue. Uh, but but uh, I'm super excited that they are now teasing a return. So uh, 9:25 in San Jose, and the graphic contains L.A. Park, who also is working on a return to wrestling after a struggle with with covid so that uh, it's it's all ties together it's like poetry but i'm i'm super excited that they're finally teasing a show it's, uh i uh, it's san jose so i might be able to make it down there i will uh investigate that possibility but uh i will one way or another get results for you on this one and uh we will we will look forward to covering that because as you might have gathered we kind of like them on this show yeah. Uh, Definitely exciting for them. And then earlier in the week, Andrade did a interview on with with uh, Hugo Savinovich on Lucha Libre Online. Uh, I didn't get to listen to the whole thing. I don't know. I know Miranda is pretty regular listener to that. So if uh, there's anything that I seem to have missed in that, go ahead and bring it up, Miranda. But the big highlights or about Federation Wrestling. He said that he and and Rush had to back out because they weren't given the money and tickets they needed, airline tickets they needed to make the show. So their reasons for the announcements of logistical difficulties now becomes much more clear uh, as to why they had to back out. Uh, it's a perfectly reasonable thing for your top tier talent to have a cutoff date for at least the, the airline ticket to fly you into the city you're supposed to be working in because they have to be able to plan their, their travel arrangements. Um, so uh it's interesting on that. Um Roosh is uh has been still very positive about that. Again, people the speculation seems to be is because Roosh was in some way associated with this show, probably uh talent relations sort of character. So he may very well be trying to keep the positivity of the brand alive, even though uh there doesn't seem to be a lot of future right now and, and uh Cynical wrestling fans are already kind of counting this uh, promotion as being dead in the water. Uh, and then uh, just uh, while we're on Andrade, uh, it's kind of interesting to me to note that he's done a few shows in the States. Uh, and and uh, people have talked about that. He has that none of those shows inside the United States have sold out. Um, I, am, I am really honestly kind of hopeful that uh AEW and Triple A will do some things to kind of help him get the momentum back that WWE clearly cut away from him. Uh, that was has it's always been the the one thing that I heard when they, uh, especially when AEW announced him, they just viewed him as a, a WWE mid card cast off. A lot of these American fans and um, we here as Lucha fans know much better, but I also have to acknowledge that nobody. I shouldn't say nobody. Very few people in the United States have seen that. So his bookings in California and Texas 
uh, et cetera, have not been producing as much. I just thought that was kind of interesting to to note. That's again uh, Cubs fan doing the collating on that. But uh, um, uh, speaking of others of the of selling out shows though, Bandito's Gym, the one we've been talking about a few times, has had a few shows that have uh, definitely sold out with huge names. So now they're starting a promotion there called Big Lucha with their first show for July 17th. So now you can actually potentially see on the Internet shows. If you see something for, from a promotion called Big Lucha, that's going to be out of Bandito's gym. And, um, I mean, you know, the guy knows a few people in the wrestling world. He might uh, he might have uh, a few big names on his show, not just his students. Yeah, be a fun watch. <laughs> right. Uh, more, more, uh, announcements. DTU's coming back with shows. Uh, the, uh, the beach party that they had, uh, I'd missed the pre- previous announcement, uh, somehow, but they, uh, they rescheduled it for July 18th. We talked about DTU a lot during the early days of the lockdown. They did, um, they had very visually impressive ways of doing without fan shows. They did a ranch show. They did a poolside show. This sounds like they're doing something in that same sort of vein where they're going to have a, a more visually impressive sort of aesthetic for their their indie show. Uh, July 18th, uh, we will uh, look for, for results on that. We typically do cover it on Lucha Central as on the website and on this uh, podcast. And then Martinez Entertainment out of uh, Texas is also – going uh doing a show july 17th and they are that'll be in fort worth texas this time they're swinging big they've the poster has flamita laredo kid danny limelight ray orus and ultima guerrero which again when we get into we've talked about the politics of things that's an interesting addition like on a standalone basis ultima guerrero totally worthy to be on this card super exciting prospect but he is he's not just a CMLL guy. He's one of the big, big name, high uh, top end of the card CMLL guys. And typically CMLL does not like anybody uh, on their that's under their auspices working a show with anybody from AAA. And you mm-hmm. may have noticed I mentioned Laredo Kid, yeah. who. Uh, yeah. So he's not officially AAA, I guess. So maybe that's how they're going to get around it. And they seem to sometimes be less uh, bothered by by these Texas shows in particular because they're not they're on the, the wrong side of the border. And, and, and I don't so it's announced there's a big, beautiful poster for it. Martinez Entertainment has a beautiful Facebook page. Go ahead and give them a follow. Uh, they have a YouTube channel with lots of cool matches. They've got, uh, if you, if you like Fuego del Sol, like, like Dusty does, they've got lots of Fuego del Sol <laughs> matches on and Martinez Entertainment. Um, yeah, just generally, uh, so uh, July 17th, they're, they're bringing back that show. I will be keeping my eye on this because I'm, the, the, the words card subject to change seems very likely here. Um, and then I had another interesting bit of news. Uh, I put this in the weird spot on the format. I should have done this uh, behind the scenes. I try and group my good news and bad news in different uh, different order. Uh, Robles Promotion. We've talked about them before. They've been working both sides of the border with Alberto Del Rio or Alberto El Patron, however do you you think of him. Um, they did a show in Guatemala with. Uh, Psycho Clown against a local luchador 
that goes by the name of Voltron. Uh, I don't know. Uh, maybe he is five lions. That'd be cool. But, <laughs> um, they, it was not, I don't have a lot of results for the show. The big news coming out of this that, uh, was that, uh, the former sexy star, sexy Dolce was supposed to be on the show and instead had to go to the hospital with emergency appendicitis, appendicitis surgery. So she's still in Guatemala. She was taken off the card. Uh, we've talked about her a few times on the show. I, I'm not a huge fan of her as a performer, but I don't want anyone to be sick in a foreign country in particular for a long time. So I do wish her well. And I thought that was just an interesting story. Uh, so that's my road back to shows. Uh, I'm going to quickly jump over to the indie roundup. We had, we actually had a bunch of IWRG matches that have happened between our last recording and this one. So this is another, another area where I'd love more fan feedback. Do you want me to cover all the IWRG? Do you want the big name matches? What do you want out of this? Cause I could probably at this point do an entire indie roundup segment just on the IWRG and I don't, know that that's necessarily what anybody wants so um let me know uh but we did have a i'm gonna go with their the 627 show from marina nalcapan i'm gonna give you the last three matches here this was uh cronices del ring which you can find footage of on mas lucha also by the way all of the results for all of the iwrg matches i just alluded to are up on lucha central i did check that they did give results to all of these things so you can if you want if you want iwrg and you don't want to hear me talking about it you can always check out lucha central's news and information page pep and uh, some of the other writers do a very good job of keeping up on that so the first match i'm going to talk about we had black terry uh, dr cerebro and aragon and a match against gallego rocky santana and romono garcia and this uh Ended in the DQ after things got a little bit crazy. Uh, so uh, the Black Terry, Dr. Cerebro, and Aragon technically won. But, you know, uh, does anybody really win when people are getting hit with cookie sheets and masks are getting torn off and all that sort of thing? Other than the fans. I should point out the fans always win with that level of violence. Um, and then we had this is the one that I, I wanted to catch because it's got it's just. Got some great wrestlers in it. Arrow Boy and Baby Extreme against Hijo del Vikingo and Octagon Jr. Uh, so those of you who follow the show regularly will know we've talked about most of these guys. Uh, Baby Extreme is one that uh, when Jerry was on the show, he talked about as a hot young up and comer out of the, the uh, northern area. He's been he's been on a lot of uh, matches for Chaos and Lucha Time. Uh, and he's big. He's a, I shouldn't say big. He's a tiny high flyer. He's very, very tiny. Um, and then Hio Del Vikingo and Octagon Jr. are obviously huge high flyers. And you've got a person with arrow in his name. So as you can imagine, bodies were flying all around the ring. Uh, fans, uh, were probably thinking it was bring home a luchador night with the amount of, uh, luchadors they found in their seats. But uh, Arrow Boy and Baby Extreme came out on top on this one. And in our main event, we had Hijo del Abrije against Abismo Negro Jr. And I didn't really get a lot of highlights or results on this, but Hijo del Abrije won, came out on top on that one. So 
Uh, that's like I say, that's our big IWRG. That was the big, the big news that was coming out. We got some big names out of that. We got, got to talk about super cool high flyers. Uh, that footage is available on the internet somewhere. Um, and, uh, that's, that's, uh, my indie roundup for you. Great, Brandon. Thank you so much for both the road back to shows and the indie roundup. As Brendan mentioned, let us know your thoughts on our format. Always, we highly uh, recommend and are open to suggestions. And so, uh, great feedback or, or great in, uh, insight too as to, you know, what, what do the fans want to hear, uh, on the indie roundup? But a lot of news, especially the fact that we haven't heard anything from Federation Wrestling and kind of some of the, the logistical theories out there uh, that have been alluded to in many of the messages and comments that have been uh, put out by both the uh, promotion and the wrestlers involved in the show. So always a great way to start the show, sets the tone, gives you the news you need to know. Uh, but next, we're going to kick it to Denise Alcedo, who's going to bring us this week's Lucha Central Central. Why should you visit TheChairShot.com? TheChairShot.com is your home for hard-hitting reviews, news, opinion, and analysis with attitude. Why? Because you're smarter than the average fan. TheChairShot.com. Always use your head. Hey everyone, it's Denise Salcedo here in Lucha Central Central with a reminder of where and when to catch all of the great network content this week. Get the full lineup and listen to all of our shows in the podcast network section of LuchaCentral.com. On Tuesdays, Math, Mats, and Mayhem takes you inside the world of Lucha Underground as they take you weekly through the series with the benefit of hindsight and the benefit of special guests from the groundbreaking series. Check out the premiere video stream every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Lucha Central YouTube channel and at LuchaCentral.com. Then listen to it on your favorite podcast platform every Wednesday. Tuesday nights live is WrestleBoss, where Fabi Chulo talks MMA and pro wrestling with special guests and listener Collins. Visit WrestleBossLive.com Tuesday nights at 7 p.m. Pacific to listen live or call in with questions or download the show on podcast platforms on Wednesdays. Wednesday nights live on Facebook, it's Spanish show La Mesa de los Margaros, giving you both the news and the cheese made from around the lucha world. Special guests and a whole lot of fun make it one of the most talked about shows in Mexico. Thursdays, it's straight out of the bodega with Papo Esco and PWR promoter Gabriel Ramirez as they have guests from throughout the wrestling world pull up to give an inside look into their careers. From indie standouts to television superstars, each week brings a new name and perspective. On Friday, it's your double dose of Lucha Central weekly podcast, one in English y el otro en español. Lucha Central Weekly is where you'll find all the top stories of the week, both inside and out of the ring from Mexico and anywhere luchadores are in action across the globe. Be sure to subscribe and follow all your favorite Lucha Central Network series on your favorite podcast platforms, either by their own series name or subscribe to the Lucha Central Podcast Network show pages to get all of the shows in one easy feed. And please consider giving a rating to help more fans find the shows that you love. For now, this is Denise Salcedo signing off from Lucha Central Central. Have a great week. Lucha-Masks.com by Pro Wrestling Revolution. Bringing you in partnership with Mask Republic. 
the Lucha Brothers, as well as Japanese legend Ultimo Dragon. Go to lucha-masks.com and fight Lucha Strong with masks from your favorite Lucha legends and pro wrestling revolution luchadores. Stay safe in style and represent your favorite luchador. Get yours now at lucha-masks.com, powered by Pro Wrestling Revolution. As always, a big thank you to Denise Salcedo, giving us this week's Lucha Central Central, letting you know what's happening throughout the Lucha Central Podcast Network. Up next, a big week in AAA. Uh, announcements galore about Triple Mania. So, Dusty, why don't you go ahead and take it away? Yeah, so much going on. Well, first... AAA had a press conference, and they announced the full lineup to Triple Mania 29 being held August 14th. And the lineup is, first, there will be a Marvel Lucha Libre match. No names announced yet, but new names are very likely to debut, probably at Verano de Escondolo. You know, we'll see somebody new. Be interesting. Next will be a Copa Bardal, which is just a regular Copa Triple Mania, with Bardal as the sponsor. And in that match, announced so far are Drago, Mamba, and friend of the show, Mr. Iguana, with more names to follow. Next up, we have Lucha Brothers, Penta and Phoenix, and their second Triple Mania match with no build-up, versus El Divacingo and Laredo Kid, versus Torres and Luchador Supresa for the AAA Tag Team Championship. Torres's partner was hinted at as being an ex-CMLL wrestler, an ex-tag team champ, and someone who has worked in Ring of Honor. So it'll be interesting to see who that is as well. Next up, we have Pagano, Chessman, and Murder Clown versus Puma King and two Luchador Surprise entrance but if you've been following sam adonis on social media you'll know he's been pretty firm about a law impresa appearance and so this would be the most likely place for them to appear with puma king because law impresa and so it just makes <laughs> sense next up is impact knockouts champion diana Perazzo versus triple a reina de reina's champions fabi apache for all the gold winner takes all Next is Andrade versus Kenny Omega for the AAA Mega Campion Championship. And finally, the main event, Psycho Clown versus Rey Escorpion and a mask versus hair, a Puestas match. So this is a really exciting and really packed card. There's going to be a lot going on. Um, you can find it online when the time comes. We'll get to that in a second. But yeah, great show. <laughs> And also, this Saturday, July 3rd, we have Verano de Escondolo. The following matches have been announced. Lady Shawnee versus Diana Perazzo in a non-title match. An Alas de Oro match, which means Golden Wings. It's a high-flyer tournament. It's only been done a handful of times. Last time was in 2015 with Drago winning. So that'll be pretty exciting. You know, something that's unusual we don't often see. No names have currently been announced, but... You know, keep an eye on that one. And then what is sure to be the match of the night, we have a three-way mixed tag titles match featuring Abismo Negro Jr. and Flamer versus Ariz and Cheek Tormenta versus La Hitra and Mr. Iguana. And I can confirm that Yeska will be there. Oh. So that, I mean, that gives was there a any distinct doubt? advantage. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, well, I, I, you know, it's always good just to get the Yeska exclusive here. Yes, yeah. 
I, I went straight to the source, and Yeska confirmed she would be there. Awesome. Yeah. And then also what we had this week was we had some news break, uh, actually the day of recording, about the AAA FMV lawsuit. According to Lucha Libre FMV's lawyers, AAA and Lucha Libre FMV last discussed the settlement back in March. They claimed AAA's lawyer said he'd come back with a new settlement offer, but then just stopped responding, and they accused AAA of trying to run out the clock to get away with no settlement. So we'll see what happens. They're expecting it could take another, a further 6 to 12 months to serve AAA, so the lawsuit could actually be drawn out for two years. So it oh. could be 2023 before we can legitimately see AAA without geo-blocking the United States. It'll – yeah. This has a lot of implications for AAA and for their product. So That's really not good for them. No, and their ability to monetize their product. Yeah. Yeah, they were – I mean, Lucha Underground was supposed to be their, their foothold into breaking mm-hmm. into the United States. And uh, this that momentum has been lost. And, uh, whew, yeah, they uh, – the, the, that's – I'm sorry. I'm just gonna. I'm staggered by this this notion. Carry yeah. on. Well, no, that's that's all the news. Yeah, it's gonna. They if it. I mean, they could settle tomorrow and it could end, but it seems yeah. very unlikely. At it this seems point. well, yeah. Unless something drastic happens, then yeah, it just it just seems like it's it's gonna keep on going, especially if it's gone on this long. Yeah, they've already let it go on, so there's, I mean, no reason to believe that it's going to end quickly now. Yeah, and they've shown they're willing to wait out, you know, if they can. I mean, they apparently attempted to wait out Lucha Libre FMV and hoped it would just go away. And so we'll see. I mean, it, it doesn't doesn't look good for their future in the immediate sense as far as getting to see it up here. No, there there will be... Plenty of, of uh, deep sea pirates that will find ways to do it for us, but uh, you know yeah. that, like you mentioned, that ruins their monetization, and so they may be very aggressive about that too. Yeah, it'll just be interesting to see how this all plays out, especially into Triple Mania season. Oh, so disappointing. Yeah, uh, especially that means we're not going to be able to watch at least through the proper channels anything with Red right yeah. the Escandalo. So, so no yeah. no live watch alongs unfortunately. Yes, unfortunate. Yeah. But uh yeah, it remains to be seen. I have it on good authority that uh that Pep is probably going to be on at some of these shows. So we will oh. have we will have a Lucha Central presence, but it will yes. not be mm-hmm. it will not be direct and and we may have to uh sail the deep oceans in order to find mm-hmm. <laughs> triple well, A pro- I was going to say luchacentral.com will have the results um, of the show. So for anyone who does miss it, make sure you visit luchacentral.com for results for Verano de Escandolo. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, another big week uh, and lots to talk about is AEW uh, with finally making the shift back to Wednesdays. But so they had Saturday and Wednesday night dynamite. A lot to talk about. So, Dusty, go ahead and take it away. Yeah, usually we cover dark and dark elevation, but for the sake of brevity this week, we are going to focus – and the co- amount of content. There's just a ton of content <laughs> and these two episodes of Dynamite. And on Saturday, Dynamite, first up for us, we had Conan 
showing up against Tully and a mic challenge. And it was incredible. Tony was with uh, Tully at the ring. They bring out Conan. And Tully says the last time he saw Conan, he was interfering during Double or Nothing. But due to Conan's legendary status, he's going to let Conan go first anyway. And if you've ever seen Conan, you know you don't give him the microphone first because he's going to decimate you. (laughs) Murder (laughs) it. And that Conan, yeah, it was amazing. He said that Tully liked to play mind games, but he and Proud and Powerful will not be intimidated because they're built differently. And he says that FTR claimed they had the same tough upbringing despite growing up in North Carolina, but they don't suffer from any realness. So he dropped some very real facts on prison rates and life in New York City. He also insulted Tully, saying he better learn some Spanish if he wants to talk to his grandkids, referring to the marriage <laughs> between Daga and Tessa Blanchard. Yes. Cold I loved it. It was so good, and it was so effortless, and it just, uh, I just, yes. I, it's so I, I, real. Yeah, like yeah. it's just. Real. Um, yeah. I'm sorry. Well, I just I just got hyped up with this oh, great, yeah. great, great great promo. So for people who were unaware of that, they also could just be reading that as uh, more people are speaking Spanish in America anyway. So I mean, it yeah. could have you know either I mean, way. It could have, but it's, it's, we, know, know, we yeah. know. I'm just but saying I think that's the thing too. AEW is they do have those digs. That's a very common yeah. thing in a lot of their promos is the fact that they always kind of give a wink to the fans, those smart fans who know. Yeah. Um, and that's been something that AEW in particular is kind of proud of that they do kind of cater to that fan base that knows. Um, but I think it's the, it's also the blend of what Dusty said of realism mm-hmm. on, you know, however FTR grew up is completely different than New York is completely different than, you know, the challenges that uh, a lot of people of color face that, you know, proud and powerful did face. Mm-hmm. So whatever kind of almost seemingly like first world problems. That's kind of the tone that I felt like Conan was addressing. Telly Telly Blanchard is like, this is first world problems. I'm talking about real world problems in the real world. And I mean, I kind of think it's a fascinating dig too. Almost like, you know, your kids are going to be speaking Spanish. Your grandkids are like, you better learn a thing or two. That's why I, that's why I found it a fascinating double dig that way because, you know, Yeah, it's it's sure it's a smart it's a smart fan thing, but also it's talking about the very real reality that uh, all of America is kind of facing right now. So, yeah. Yeah. But and then Tully, uh, he's actually from San Antonio. So Tully says not only does he know Spanish, he knows Conan because he studied him. He's done his research, but Conan doesn't know him. And Tully says he can get his guys out here in a second, and Conan will be known for only making a one-time appearance on Dynamite. I then, love that. Yeah, so good. <laughs> and then, Tully came for it. I, yeah, I he did. Too. Like, they Tully went toe-to-toe. Yeah, yeah, very yeah. passive, and it, I think really overall is helping elevate this proud and powerful FTR feud. I'm, I, I'm, I'm with yeah. this. So excited to see that this is how they were really jump starting this feud because yeah yeah it's so good and like so perfect and and like we say Tully really brought it 
uh, then Conan, he said that Tully, you know, he should know that Walmart is still hiring greeters. <laughs> and, and he had his boys here too. Proud and powerful come out. Tully directs Conan to look up at the big screen and we see Santana and Ortiz are completely wrecked in the back. The masked men wearing the inner circle shirts that we were led to believe were Santana and Ortiz were actually FTR and they laid Conan out. Tully loses was just I mean like he he just loses his damn mind while it's going on like he is so sadistically happy while it's going on the crowd's chanting you suck it was an incredible segment Conan had one of the best promos in years like he is a master of the craft and we you hear so much about what Dusty Rhodes did for NXT and I really hope that AEW is smart enough to get Conan to help do something like that for AEW like. He is so good at what he does. I mean, yeah. as good as he ever was. And he's truly an advocate of, of people working together, of trying to build bridges, of trying to expand wrestling beyond just, you know, the certain corners of the world, which is something that, of course, AEW has touted as being this forbidden door. Mm-hmm. But I, I think that also Conan lives it. And, you know, well, having that kind of expertise uh, available to them is something they really should capitalize on. So so for those who are less aware of what Miranda's alluding to, uh, because it was a long time ago and some people may not have lived through it and read, done the research, Coden was a big part of the luchador movement on both sides of the border. He absolutely. brought American wrestlers to AAA, um, and then he brought AAA wrestlers up up to America for a lot of, I mean, he used his, his position as one of the most popular wrestlers to, to facilitate this. So to what Miranda is saying, it's a lifetime choice for him. He's always been about, let's expand people's horizons. Let's bring more wrestling to wrestling or, you know, more flavors of wrestling to wrestling. So yeah. Yeah. It was just exciting. And like we say, Conan's genius at wrestling and, his influence and his like direction and everything for Proud and Powerful make me so much more excited for this feud than I could have ever been without him involved. Like I would have been excited, but like I am so hyped for this now. Like they set it up perfectly, and yeah, very exciting. Then well, we let's ha- oh, go I ahead. Just, I just, let's be honest. They needed to do something to make yeah. it look like there was a big turning of the corner because. Yeah. Whether they meant to bury proud and powerful or not, they've been either on the losing end or on the comedy end for the better part of a year at this point. They never did it's anything true. when they were in the top five uh, tag teams in the world. They they never really got the, the a full fledged shot. Yeah. So uh, people needed to believe that this is a new direction and a new step for proud and powerful. And yeah, Conan is the the perfect ingredient for that. Yeah, it was fantastic and they're setting it up perfectly so i'm really excited to see this play out and hopefully we'll see some more appearances from conan you know he's Mm -hmm. showed up a few times now and it's becoming more frequent so hopefully that's pointing to a positive trend there as well after that we had eddie and pinta with a video eddie asked if everybody if the young bucks were serious matt and nick they take people out in wrestling but he does that in real life, and he says he's learned that no matter how much he beats them up, it doesn't matter. And so the only way he can hurt the Bucks is to hurt their ego and take their tag titles. 
Penta Love cuts it. a promo. Yeah, so good. Penta <laughs> cut a promo in Spanish, and Alex Abrahantes was there, and he said, Penta says, you talk about running people over, but next week we run over you. Oh. Yeah, very good. Very exciting. We'll get to their match, but yeah, fantastic. Then we had Kenny Omega versus Jungle Boy. Uh, this was an excellent match. You could immediately tell that Jungle Boy had really done his homework. He had a counter or an escape for pretty much everything that Kenny Omega tried to throw at him. It started off with a slow pace and built like a crescendo with the pace really picking up at the end. And you could tell that Kenny Omega was taking Jungle Boy far more seriously towards the end. Jungle Boy took five separate V triggers. It was crazy. He got a lot. Of, Jungle Boy got a lot in too in this incredible match. He showed that he could really hang with the best at the main event level. And this really was a big time TV main event. It felt big. Even if there was no real doubt about who was going to win the matchup, like we kind of knew. And after the match, Kenny Omega was going to go for his usual belt shot on Jungle Boy, but Christian ran out to make the save. And immediately the Hardy family office, including TH2, is ringside to jump Christian. But the twist of fate was countered into a kill switch attempt because the Young Bucks ran in for a double super kick. But then Christian takes the twist of fate to end the show. And that brings us to Wednesday Dynamite and Eddie Kingston and Pinta El Cerro Miedo versus the Young Bucks. And the theme of this match or the stipulation was that if Kingston and Penta won, they get a shot next week at the tag title. Penta was back in his Joker gear. It was amazing. Uh, the Young Bucks were apparently cosplaying as the gas station guy from Ghost World. It was an interesting look, but it was theirs. And it it took a lot, but Kingston and Penta finally got a win over the Bucks this week with Penta getting the pin on Matt Jackson after a fear factor, followed by Kingston spinning back fist at the 13 minute and 50 second mark. Beautiful double team move. Oh, Beautiful. fantastic. I, I love the interaction between Eddie Kingston and Penta. Like, so good. Yeah, and, they had a couple legit tag team moves in this that I really mm-hmm. loved. Mm-hmm. They worked together so well. The... There was some spots with Rick Knox. He seemed very friendly to the Bucks, if not directly on their side. He counted a three count and called it a two, so they weren't counted out. There was kind of a ref bump to get out of a pin attempt. It it was interesting. I think Brendan has some opinions on this. (laughs) I do. I do. Because I've heard a lot of people say things like this. They're like trying to say that Rick Knox was – but I was watching what he was doing. Uh, as a, a, from the perspective of someone who watches a lot of ref matches, I've talked about that on the show before. Uh, so one of the things that we're taught to do as a ref is you just count the three and it's the wrestler's job to get the shoulder up. They, so you count that three and you'll notice if you go back and you watch it, Knox counted three, uh, but as soon as the, the, he slapped three, he looked right at the timekeeper and held up two fingers. Like he didn't even hesitate to see if the other guy if the guy's got their shoulder up or anything, which they didn't, which is why everyone was freaking out. But it was totally, he was just doing his job the way he's supposed to be doing his job. Similar thing. um, It looks worse because of the way AEW reps are treated at this point where they, they get, they're either, they either get to be Aubrey levels of 
on point and will be able to get in Chris Jericho's face and tell him he needs to go back to the corner and use the tag ropes. Or they're like Knox was in this one where he's distracted by everything, anything and everything. And like later, I'm, I'm going to give away something from the main event, Dusty. So, but later there's a spot that just really drove me crazy where a wrestler had another wrestler outside the ring. Neither of those wrestlers were involved in the match, but the referee, for some reason, was so fascinated in watching those two wrestlers and what they were doing that he missed all of the shenanigans going on in the ring. And that is the kind of ref stupidity that AEW seems to be encouraging on the flip side of it, where the ref is now so dumb that two wrestlers that are not in the match are more distracting and more important than all of the shenanigans going on right behind him that you can hear. Like, I mean, you're they're They're less than five feet away. There's no way you can't hear chairs or whatever else was going on. Yeah. Uh, and so, and that that's coming. That's unfortunately that makes Rick Knox look like he's a crooked ref. So I hope that they lean into that now that the internet is going all over this. I hope they just make Rick Knox, um, yeah. have some appearances on BTE and, and he becomes a personality. Mm-hmm. Again, I'm going to give people some history here. Rick Knox was the senior official on Lucha Underground. He is all about, he's a, he's an experienced, super good ref. I've seen him do matches where he's done, uh, where he's handled inside ring action, outside ring action was, a, a, took a ref bump. Uh, and then was still able to be in all the right places he needed to do, including handling a possible injury. So, like, I know he's he's not incompetent, like people are calling him, but that's all the more reason they should lean into this. I want to see him on BTE now. I want to see him just be a regular character on BTE. Like, you know, just have him in the background playing cards or something. Um, it'd be awesome. Yeah. Well, I just want to chime in with another layer to this, because earlier this week, Tony Khan was on Busted Open Radio uh, on Sirius XM. Uh, during that day, uh, Bully Ray was one of the co-hosts of the show, and he directly asked Tony Khan about AEW's referee situation, um, specifically, you know, uh, if, if he really had any thoughts or intentions to to fix it and tony khan uh kind of circumvented uh his concern and 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 jumped into instead of kind of addressing bully ray's question jumped into ref bumps um and and these are quotes directly from tony khan um he says "I, i don't do ref bumps generally as a rule and we've done you can count on your hand how many there have been in aew in two years less than five and so, right. And so since I don't do a lot of ref bumps when they're double teams and when things turn into like Lucha matches a little bit, which I do a lot of trios matches and tags with Luchadors. So there's that there is going to be Lucha aspects of this stuff. You know, it's going to happen because I'm not going to just knock the referee over out of nowhere so that I can do some fun Lucha spots. So I don't really see it as a problem. I know. I haven't noticed that or thought it wasn't an issue. So to me, that quote was interesting because then he was kind of bringing Lucha Libre style as kind of not an excuse, but a explanation as to why the referee style, you know, in, in those in, in matches maybe was. I guess chaotic or not organized or not seemingly organized. I just found that to be very interesting that he kind of threw that out there as a reason behind why 
Yeah. Um, maybe there's the perception of, 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 you know, referees not being able to maintain control in the ring. Uh, so there is a perception of luchador refs mm-hmm. from, in the, in the wrestling community yep. as being yeah. not as good as a, like, so red shoes over in Japan is generally accepted to be one of the best refs around. Like you can watch him and know he's going to run a clean, honest match the whole time. Uh, that kind of thing. Yeah. But like, uh, Mexico has Tarantes, yep. right? <laughs> <laughs> but then, no. Yeah. And I think that also gives its own explanation because that Lucha Libre officiating is its own world. Yeah, yeah. it's true. But, uh, but there's, it, the reason that Tarantes works is because there are rules and the fans know there are rules. So they get upset with him when he's breaking the unspoken rules of being a ref. And so that again goes back to make Rick Knox a heel ref, if that's what you need to do. Cause if you're, if your excuses were doing lucha rules, then go for the, the completely corrupt ref. Like it's, it's a thing that you can do with lucha rules and it works great, but, um, it only works yeah. when you have when you have refs that are not that, so that you can the fans yeah. can it's, feel justified being it's upset. Just like I, I understand, we live in a world now in professional wrestling where the lines are blurred. There mm-hmm. isn't pure, say, baby faces or heels anymore. Sometimes there's you know heroes right. and, and villains, good guys and bad guys, and sometimes those blend the line. But I think that the point behind it is that it doesn't seem uh, like there's clarity in the directions of the refereeing as to, as to what Brendan's alluding to. Either you have a scenario like Aubrey, who is very down the middle and serious. And in some ways it's almost like that they had to do that because of the fact that Aubrey is, you know, now there's a lot more women in referee roles, but when she came on board, she was really the first to do it. And in mm-hmm. order for her to be taken seriously and for fans to kind of re- respect her role, it was the fact that she called things down the middle. And and if it's only helped her reputation, and if anything, she's become one of the best in the game. But that's because I think that was also very intentional, is that there is no shenanigans, there's no playing around. But with everyone else, it feels like, well, you know, well, you know, like it, it just doesn't seem like that is the case for every other referee. And exactly. so with not having that level of clarity or consistency, then it does make the rest, even the whole team kind of look silly. And it can also make the company look like they don't have a a level of seriousness to the refs. And it's already hard for that to to happen too because they are very known for having spot fest matches and mm-hmm. it is you know all about these spots and getting them in and less about the actual psychology and even mm-hmm. a, a common sense format of the matches Absolutely. and the rules so uh i mean as much as i love Aubrey, I do want to point out that she wasn't the first. Jessica Carr in NXT was the first referee. Yeah, no, no, no. And I I mean, but but I think that Aubrey, in all honesty, has overshadowed, you know, Jessica Carr. Yeah, yeah. I feel like, and and that's true, Jessica Carr was, and it was a big deal, but I feel Mm -hmm. like Aubrey has has overshadowed Jessica. Um, She's done more mainstream high profile matches, which, mm -hmm. but I do want to make sure. That we, you know, because Aubrey will let me know later that yeah, 
Yeah. It was Jessica. And I, and, it was and, her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I only mean that in a way where it's that I think not overshadowed, but just that now Aubrey's is a lot more well known. Um, and then you're right. I think it's because she's been in more high profile matches, um, that I think that she's just a much more well-known referee. Um, but I also feel like I think AEW was a little bit ahead of the game in having Aubrey in more high profile matches earlier on. Um, I, I, yeah, yeah, I don't disagree on that. Uh, but so some of this is the referee's own styles. Um, Aubrey has always been a firm this like even when she worked in the Indies out here she's it's been firm about the rules the reason that all of the Pacific Northwest rings have tag ropes on them now is because Aubrey made tag ropes and brought them to every show that she refereed at and that's uh, okay that's one of the biggest <laughs> feedback on AEW with tags so, yeah. like I think yeah. it's also very confusing where you do uh, have yes anyway sorry I just that, no, no, that, I, that story I, blows my mind as far yeah. as her. She's the one who now, like, I think that that's a yeah. saint in the making, but then it's also like, but, but yet AEW does it, rarely acknowledges tag ropes. Well, and that's kind of where I'm, I'm, I'm going though. And then you have other refs that are more permissive, like Rick Knox has, has many stories about fun matches that he's done. And he, because he will, he will let things get loose and, and go into spot fest like people will complain about. So the, the meeting often is somewhere in between. And I think I don't, I haven't, I can't speak for where Aubrey's at on this because I've seen her be more permissive about not use of tag ropes and has even gone on the record at some point and said, you can make a tag anywhere above the waist. Uh, but. Uh, it, some of the, like I say, some of this is the style. The reason she's got more of a reputation of being a law and order style ref is because that's what she's always brought to the table. Whereas Rick Knox in particular has, uh, at least for the last five to 10 years been a lot more permissive and, and letting, letting the more indie flow of things happen. So I, that, we talked about this off air. This is where AEW really needs to have some consistency. They need to yes. TK or Jericho or somebody just needs to say, these are the actual rules that we need to have so that our refs can look consistent and we're not burying our refs. Because the other terrible thing about Rick Knox looking like he's a bad guy ref on this is that he took the, the heel heat off of the Bucks. When he did that, everybody was mad at him and not the Bucks. And they're supposed to be the super cheaty faces that nobody wants to see win. Like we saw later in right. that match when more and more nonsense was happening. So, yeah. it, you know, by him, by, by having referee mistakes like that, you, you have, you are, you're muddying the story even more. Like they're trying to, to, I mean, Miranda said that we don't yeah. necessarily have heels and, and faces all the time, but. The Bucks are really claiming that heel space right now. They are cheating to win all the time. They're coming out with these ugly porn star mustaches so that nobody will like yeah. them. I mean, they they are trying to be as they're, hateable. They're trying to look yeah. as ugly on the outside as ugly as they are on the inside. <laughs> yeah, it's true. And the Bucks were really beginning to suffer from Superman syndrome where they never lost no matter what. And to me, it made them feel less and less credible every week mm-hmm. because, mm-hmm. you know, it, it just feels unlikely, not credible. And they needed a loss to make them a little more vulnerable, to make their dra- matches feel a little more dramatic. 
Mm-hmm. And this was the first Young Bucks loss in tag team matches since October 21st of last year when they lost in the Fatal 4-Way Eliminator match against FTR, Best Friends, and the Natural Nightmares. But as a normal tag team match, their last loss was AEW's 2020 Revolution against Hangman Page and Kenny Omega. Did they so even a- take the fall in that multi-team match? No. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. That barely counts. So I did, but it just (laughs) barely counts, yeah. We had Jungle Boy defeating Jack Evans. It was a great match. Post-match, the Hardy family comes out to make trouble. Christian and the rest of the Jurassic Express come out for the brawl. Team Taz came out or had a spot. Taz talked about how Team Taz was not at full strength, but sometimes family has to fight to clear things up. That's why on July 14th at Fighter Fest, Brian Cage is defending the FTW title against a medically cleared Ricky Starks. We also have what it looks like the, well, next week at Road Rager will be the debut of Andrade against Matt Seidel. It feels kind of shoehorned in. It probably is. It looks like they're pushing the coffin match to one of the Fighter Fest shows so that they don't do it in Miami after the, you know, recent news. Then the last week, they don't want to tie it to that. So that's probably why that changed. And then in the main event, we had Sammy Guevara versus MJF. This was an amazing match, one of the best AEWs ever put on. There was outstanding athleticism and in-ring storytelling. Towards the end, it got mired down with a lot of interference. Wardlow was there. Sean Spears was there. A lot was going on. Too many people involved. They felt like it was strange to waste two strong finishers from Sammy. They kind of spoiled it a little bit by announcing MJF was going to face Jericho next yeah. week. Like mm-hmm. the whole thing was. They, they spoiled a really good finisher from MJF too. Like that, yeah. that ter- pile driver off of the top rope mm-hmm. should have been a finish. Yeah. But yeah, that was incredible. Yeah. I agree. Oh. And, and to, to the point that you just made, I have to watch this match again. I was so emotionally drained by the fact that I knew I, there was no chance Sammy was winning that I was not invested in watching this match. Like I just was kind of waiting to see the performative nature of it. Cause I already knew Sammy wasn't right. going to win. And then when he hit a finisher early, I'm like, well now they're just making it so that everybody, even in the back row knows Sammy's not going to win. So yeah, yeah, yeah. it's just a foregone conclusion. It's obvious uh, that they're building up MJF to face Chris Jericho, too. I mean, even without the announcement, it was kind of obvious yeah. that's where it was going. But as soon as they announced he was going to have a showdown, <laughs> I guess, with Chris Jericho next week. But Sammy and M- go ahead. Oh, this is just fantasy booking. They could have done it in a more WCW-like way, and I don't necessarily mean, like, super Monday Night Wars era WCW, where they could have had the match and then had him do the do that that promo and say okay now we're going to I'm going to move on to looking at you Chris Jericho and then to announce that he's going to announce his stipulations and all of that more people would have been excited by this prospect because now they're thinking Chris Jericho might be the one that finally shuts MJF up instead they just shut everything down with Sammy and then they've made a kind of a foregone conclusion that we're going to see MJF and Jericho for at least one more match but probably three and uh, yeah yeah 
and you had you had more dumb refs in this. That this is the match yeah. that I was talking about, <laughs> where the the ref did stupid yeah. things, just completely. Why are you holding Chris Jericho over there? Why? What was that? A chair? Oh, uh, I guess it's count a three count. All right, sorry, I derailed you, and we're probably no, no, way over time. Yeah, that's that's <laughs> all I, about all I had to say. I mean. It's interesting to see these guys. We know that are the future of the company, but they didn't give them that strong finish to. Yeah, the, that's, you know, oh, I, oh. yeah, I don't know. <sighs> I, I loved every bit of it except for the ending. I say that a lot about AEW matches. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's a common theme. <sighs> All right. Well, again, the results for AEW are available on LuchaCentral.com, Dark Dynamite, uh, and I believe Elevation. Yes. I think about it. Yes, they are all available on LuchaCentral.com. We're uh, going to jump. Go ahead. Oh, uh, just real quick. There are those are all very watchable for Lucha content. We skipped yes. a lot because they there was so much going on on the Dynamites. But if you are wanting to see good Lucha content, Dark and Dark Elevation the, this week had lots mm-hmm. of good content for mm-hmm. you. Especially Elevation. Like, yeah. so good. So yeah. good. We are going to jump over to NXT uh, as we are uh, on the go-home show to Great American Bash next week. Uh, this episode started off with an amazing triple threat tag team match uh, to determine the number one contenders for the NXT Women's Championship. Shotzi Blackheart and Ember Moon versus Raquel Gonzalez and Dakota Kai versus Zoe Stark and Io Shirai. And this match was just madness from the get-go. Started off with an all-out brawl, but then ended up back in the ring. And this was a proper triple threat. So one representative from each team was in the ring at all times, which led to a lot of interesting spots. Um, as m- one of my favorite parts was all of the action happening outside, all the dives, the moonsaults, the dives in between the ropes, uh, everything that happened outside of the ring just in succession. Um, there was also an amazing sequence towards the ends of every one hitting these finishers and these, you know, powerful moves. Yeah. Um, I, I just loved the pace of this match. I, I really enjoyed it. Uh, I know for some people it could be very spotty, but for women's matches, this isn't something that you get. And to have a triple threat tag team match being the format for this and how well I think it was still really executed um, made this such an amazing way to start off the show. Towards the end, uh, there was an interesting sequence of uh, Raquel Gonzalez saving uh, Dakota Kai by taking a moonsault by Io Shirai. Um, and that took Raquel out. Um, Dakota Kai uh, tried to get in her move with the uh, knee, um, but Io Shirai kicked out and got another moonsault on Dakota Kai for the win. So Zoe Stark and Io Shirai are the new number one contenders. They will face the way next week at the Great American Bash. And this continues to kind of allude to maybe some storyline that may happen with Raquel and Dakota Kai later in the future. That seems like that is, you know, the next uh, program that's already set, especially with Dakota Kai getting the being the one who's pinned. Um, but it also leaves an interesting format of Zoe Stark and Io Shirai as, you know, uh, two competitors who can are formidable in the ring, but have a very shaky partnership, even though in ring they had really good chemistry and they haven't been teaming that long. So who knows how that's going to impact uh, their go around uh, at the Great American Bash. But 
individually to incredibly talented women together could be a force to be reckoned with. So uh, I, that's, to me, this was actually my favorite match of the night. I loved the way that they started this show with it. I highly recommend watching this match. Yeah. We also had through the show uh, some run-ins between Johnny Gargano and Karrion Cross. Uh, Karrion Cross uh, showed up to the uh, arena um, or, well, oh, yeah, it started off where Karrion Cross showed up to the arena at first. Johnny Gargano attacked him. Uh, that just pissed off Karrion Cross. Later <laughs> on, he went into the ring, uh, to call out Johnny Gargano. Johnny came out, uh, and he, but Karrion Cross was attacked from behind by, uh, Austin Theory with a mean forearm to the back of the head. Um, great air on that. Uh, but that only, again, pissed Karrion Cross off. Uh, Johnny Gargano and Austin uh, Theory were in the ring uh, two on one, but Karrion was able to take advantage or to to get the upper hand. Towards the end, he was going to look like smash Johnny Gargano into the steel steps. Um, however, the security got involved. Mojo got involved. However, during that you know segment as well, Johnny Gargano got a pretty mean super kick in. Um, and so really, uh, that was, that just irritated Karrion Cross. He, uh, approached or, or really confronted Samoa Joe about it. Later on, um, as Johnny and Austin Theory were leaving, uh, Karrion Cross was able to get him outside in the parking lot and, um, but Samoa Joe made the save. So this new role of Samoa Joe as this enforcer really seems to be playing well. Um, it also seems like one Johnny Gargano, what are you doing? You know, like what, what are you trying to, you're going to die. Like you just, you just don't do it. <laughs> I do commend that they're putting carrying cross in better, better clothing. Um, I really appreciated his outfit this week. I'm tired of the vests. So, you know, he is your champion. Make sure he dresses like one. Um, but it, it looks like we are going, we are leading to a carrying cross Johnny Gargano match somewhere down the line, a one-on-one, um, and Johnny Gargano, though, is very smart. He knows how to get under the skin of Karrion Cross, and that's exactly how he'll be able to get a title match from him, is to get so deep under his skin that Karrion will just want to be in the ring with him. Um, we also had uh, Tian Shan, uh, Zaya Lee, and Boa versus Mercedes Martinez and Jake Atlas. Um, some great teamwork between Jake Atlas and Mercedes Martinez, but the big news coming out of this match was that Mercedes Martinez got pretty much knocked out by a kick, uh, to the head, uh, by Zaya Lee. Um, this match was stopped, uh, by the referee and, uh, there had been reports that, uh, Mercedes Martinez had gone to a local medical facility afterwards. Um, don't know how much of that is story, how much that is true. You could see in the match that she got rocked pretty hard in the head. It's, um, it's standard concussion protocol to go yes. get checked out. So yes. she definitely went to the hospital. Other than that, I, I can't tell. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> we we don't know. So hopefully Mercedes Martinez is okay. This looks like this feud is far from over. I did like to have that uh, mixed tag match in NXT. We don't have that very often. Um, and especially against uh, Jake Atlas, which, again, they had some great double team on Boa um, in that match. So I, I kind of like where this is going. Um, and Mercedes is going to need some backup with Tian Shaw because – you have the mysticism, and you also have Zia Lee just kicking the crap out of everybody. 
But the big news coming out of this week's NXT uh, is the main event, which was uh, the North American uh, Championship match, Bronson Reed versus Isaiah Swerve Scott. Uh, this actually came about unexpectedly where, uh, Hit Row, uh, put out a message, especially, uh, Isaiah Scott put out the message to Bronson Reed that he wanted an opportunity at the North American Championship. Uh, Bronson Reed accepted. And, you know, this one for the most part went as expected as far as really the big size advantage of Bronson Reed. Uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott had a few moments where he kind of had an interesting, um, I thought process as to how he was going to handle uh, Bronson Reed, especially where he was going to try and power bomb him. Um, also did kind of an interesting suplex attempt uh, with utilizing the ropes. Um, now hit row did end up becoming a factor, but not a huge one uh, towards the end of the match. Um, uh, Ashanti Adonis uh, and top dollar did kind of interfere, but Bronson Reed threw all of them over the barricade. But that uh, was enough of a distraction for Isaiah Swerve Scott to um, get uh, the advantage uh, on the ropes. Um, and then he hit his uh, drop kick, the house call, followed by a 450 splash to win and become the new North American champion, uh, which is kind of surprising. Uh, one, Bronson Reed hadn't won the championship that long ago. Two, he just you know, defended it in a winner takes all. Granted, there was a lot more to it as far as, you know, having the tag team champions um, in MSK keep their titles as well. Um, but there's also speculation that this could have been an, an impact or, or an effect of Bronson Reed's dark match on uh, on main event and that he may be called up to Raw or SmackDown sooner rather than later. To me, what I hope this does lead to, which is something they kind of alluded to, was maybe Legado de Fantasma starts to jump in. Um, and now with a new champion, uh, Santos Escobar kind of tries to stake his claim uh, as a contender for this championship. And we do have a little bit of faction warfare between Legado and Hit Row. Um, so it, it was, I think, a, a surprise for a lot of people. But... Um, I think that this is also a great opportunity and spot for Isaiah Swerve Scott. Hit Row seems to be going really well as a faction, even though they're not very liked. Um, it seems to be getting a great crowd reaction. Mm-hmm. I want to see way more of Hit Row versus Legato del Fantasma. Yes. I think that's just magic waiting to happen. Yes. Um, I did say when we were talking about uh about Bronson Reed's championship, it felt to me like this was kind of an interim thing. So yes. it's not totally shocking that they put it on someone else. But uh, I also agree that there's a very strong possibility because he's the kind of person that Vince McMahon would like that uh, he's going to be moving up very mm-hmm. soon. Yeah. Yeah. I totally agreed. Other big news that came out of NXT this week is that they are bringing back the breakout tournament. Um, the last time we saw the tournament was in 2019, um, and it is coming back. We even saw some clips. I did see as far as some flashes, uh, of some talent, um, Raul Mendoza and Joaquin Wilde, um, which I think would be great if they had individual, uh, matches in the breakout tournament. Um, so this, there could be a lot where maybe while, uh, Santos is chasing the North American title, you have Joaquin and uh, Raul, um, in the breakout tournament. And so they can, you know, still be busy doing their own things. Um, 
but also, you know, still busy doing their own things, uh, especially because Rowan and Joaquin are pretty much out of the NXT tag team title contendership now. Um, so we will see what happens in the breakout tournament. I'm sure we're going to have more match announcements coming along the way. And next week is the Great American Bash. So, uh, again, right now we do have announced that um, Io Shirai and Zoe Stark will be facing the way for the NXT Women's Tag Team titles. Uh, maybe Isaiah Swerve Scott will have his first title defense of the North American Championship. Oh, uh, you know and, it. And I'm sure we'll see maybe, you know, Karrion Cross versus Johnny Gargano uh, for the NXT Championship. So lots going on. You know, NXT is still an amazing product. And again, I just highly recommend the opening match is one of my favorite women's matches of the year so far. So uh, just watch it. It really shows the depth of the women's division. So, like, even as yeah, yeah, we say it, is, and and I mainly say, it, but I think a lot of people echo it. The best women's division in all of wrestling is, is the I, NXT women's division. I always, every time you bring that up, I always say it's just yeah. one of the best divisions. Period. Like yeah. when I talk about the best wrestling I watched this week, NXT women's division is always in the picture. So, and there's a lot more from where that's coming from, you know, like we, even last week when we talked about Casey Canzaro and Caden Carter, you know, I mean, they're still moving their way back up, but you give them the rest of the year. I absolutely believe those two women are going to be in contendership. If not have the NXT tag team title somewhere along the line. Um, and so they've really built and are working on building such a robust women's division. And now you have not only just the NXT Women's Championship, but also the Women's Tag Team Championships as well. So there's a lot more story happening. And, and even the story between Mercedes Martinez and Zia Lee, that's actually grown and escalated into a much proper in-depth story. And it will be very interesting to see. Hopefully, again, Mercedes Martinez is okay and she can continue on with this. But after the, we'll just call it disaster of retribution, luckily she's able to go back to NXT and have a proper feud and do what she does best, kick ass. So uh, I, I, I mean, NXT is a place where people have been able to grow, have been able to come back. It's a magical place. Yeah. Magical place. Uh, so make sure you stay tuned next week for the Great American Bash. And, of course, results are available on LuchaCentral.com. Up next, though, Ring of Honor, including a big announcement on a world championship match. Oh, yeah. So this week we got the finals of the Survival of the Fittest Tournament. Uh, as I mentioned off air, I was a little surprised because I thought we had a week before it went on the air. Uh, so I was going to do a bigger build for it. But, uh, yeah, the survival of the fittest, the six people that had advanced were now in an elimination style match. As we had mentioned before, there were three possible luchadors, two of which advanced, that being Bandito and the demonic Flamita. He is, that's, that's his name now. That's his branding. He's the demonic yeah. Flamita. And, oh. and his entrance is pretty darn cool. Yeah. Uh, so he, Demonic Flamita was the first one to come out. I think it's because they really wanted to show off that entrance, but I'm not angry about that at all. And uh, the, they got all six wrestlers in the ring. They went they went at it in an elimination style match. Um, as we've mentioned before, Flamita and Bandito, who's the other luchador that came through, have a little bit of a feud going on right now. So 
They got into the ring together at the, near the beginning of the match. It turned into a giant brawl that spilled out. They then explained that this is Lucha rules, so because their feet hit the floor, the two more wrestlers came into the ring. Those two disappeared for a while. But interestingly enough, Flamita was the first person eliminated in this. And then kind of the story that was building was how is uh, Bandito going to survive? Because he was taking a lot of big moves and getting hit a lot, knocked out a lot. And um, if it weren't for the Lucha rules, he probably would have been in a lot more trouble. But every time that he got knocked pretty flat, he rolled out of the ring. So other people came in. Um, but the end result was Bandito wound up winning the whole thing. So now the world title event that we are going to get to see is Bandito versus Roosh, July 11th at Best in the World. So uh, by virtue of winning Survival of the Fittest, the, the the winner of Survival of the Fittest always was going to get a title shot. But now we get Bandito versus Roosh, which is going to be magical. Like. I was probably going to get Survival of the Fittest anyway because ROH has been doing a solid product, but just based on this match announcement alone, yeah. I guaranteed that I'm going to get this match and get this pay-per-view. Um, the, uh, there's a little bit of, uh, of, of, of a giveaway in that they also have announced that Rush, uh, Rush and Bandito are going to be facing each other uh, at uh, an event that happens past that. So that doesn't give away who who's going to come out of this on the title, but it does sound like this is going to be a program for a while. So, uh, I mean, I'm still not unhappy about this. It means that there's been a lot of talk lately about Bandito. It's time for Bandito to either step up or get out of the way, more or less. Like they needed to either make him a main event guy or make somebody else and have somebody else take the spot that he's filling because. He's he uh, as far as being kind of mid card after his faction got broken up, he needed to either step up to where he's at or um, kind of, you know, fall down into a weird feud with Bateman or something. Uh, uh, nothing against Bateman, but that's I was going to gonna say nothing against Bateman. I think that'd be interesting. But. Yeah, but that seems to be his uh, for those who don't know, Bateman is uh, an instructor. So he's not always going to be the big guy and he's going to a lot of the time he does feuds to help elevate other people. That's that's why I bring that up. Um, he's he's a great guy and he's a fantastic wrestler. It'd be a fun feud. But that's not what hap- is happening. We're getting Roosh instead. So once again, July 11th, best in the world, Roosh and Bandito for the title. Uh, yeah, that, uh, it's a it's a free episode on ROH TV this week. Mm-hmm. So by the time this is going up, you'll have a day to watch it. But if you haven't watched it by by the time you're hearing this, this is your reminder you should watch it or pay nine ninety nine for the ROH app and and watch it. Yeah. Speaking <laughs> of uh, free on YouTube, uh, they are still airing Women Division Wednesdays, yes. and Alex Gracia. Um, is one of the most recent women to get a golden ticket to the uh, women's tournament later this summer. Um, and I think she's also featured on this week's Women's Division Wednesday match. Um, yeah, I think it was a tag match this week, but I do remember seeing her name. Full disclosure, I've been things are, have been changing behind the scenes for me, so I haven't been able to keep up with my full watch list and the the women the women's wrestling Wednesday was one of the ones until Miranda just mentioned it had slipped through my uh, 
I know what I'm doing after we get up. I know this is a trio's effort. We all <laughs> jump in uh, as as needed. Uh, but yeah, well, and again, just a reminder of free content available online on Ring of Honor Women's Division Wednesdays. Uh, Alex Rossia, Texas. Uh, based, I believe, um, which leave a background. Um, I believe she's wrestled for CMLL. Um, yeah. so, uh, also seen on AEW. Um, so, uh, you know, uh, we also always try and get lucha adjacent, lucha related content anywhere that we can find it and present it to listeners. So, um, check out, uh, Alex Gracia on Women Division yeah. Wednesdays. She she reps the the lucha when she comes to the ring. That is mm-hmm. definitely part of her full persona. So I don't view her as a Jason. I view her as actual lucha. Mm-hmm. Not. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, next we have this week on Lucha Libre history. So Dusty, why don't you go ahead and take it away? Yeah, that's right. It's time for this week in Lucha Libre history. Be sure to check in at LuchaCentral.com every single day for this day and Lucha Libre by Pep Carrera. He's got information, birthdays, anniversaries, matches of the day, amazing videos, and even more. And it's all about Lucha Libre at LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. This week we chose July the 3rd, 2016, when Pentagon Jr. won the Latin American Championship from Psycho Clown after a Pagano run-in. This was a big match with a lot of exciting moves, super hot crowd. They were all sure Psycho Clown was their favorite. The There was a lot that went on early in the match, but it didn't really get to any storytelling or anything interesting until there was a ref bump. You might notice theme this week. We've got a lot of ref bumps. <laughs> and, yeah, I mean, the moves were interesting in themselves, but, you know, like, it, it just didn't build to anything. We we got the ref bump uh, to set up the, like, the, the, luch, the big spot. But, like, yeah. if you do it so you don't get disqualified, shouldn't you get disqualified for hitting the ref with the chair? With the chair? Yeah. 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 Especially after yelling at the ref for not counting right, and then you yes, hit him yeah, with the chair. Yeah, he was a slow counter. <laughs> and uh, I believe it was Pietro was Yeah, the, yeah. And, yeah, it was interesting. Piero, then, rather. Pier, there we go. Yeah, Pietro. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's, 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 a, that's, that's an X-Men. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, and then and then uh Hijo del Torantes came out for the final three counts. So we did one of the other crooked refs came out and did the legit finish. Uh, yeah. Um I'm I'm sorry, Dusty. Did you have more on this or I, I No, can... no, no. Yeah, I was <laughs> leading into your theories there with the ref bumps. So. <laughs> yeah, uh so this like as Dusty mentioned, this was the uh this this refs uh, is the story this week you had you had uh he's really in in triple a he's really one of the more legit like as close to law and order refs you get in triple a they are very permissive in triple a i mean we joke about cookie sheets every week for a reason uh <laughs> but uh he he was and he was calling it down the line i didn't think it was a slow count um it, it should be pointed out this was also kind of a technical versus technical match because this is uh the uh the Paris del Mall version of Pentagon. They were very yeah. excited to see him and this was it's Psycho Clown who I don't think has ever been hated by anybody other than me and Meefloaf. <laughs> uh, 
so I mean, so that was weird, and that's why I found it especially weird that one of the, their over-the-top bad guy refs, who at the time was feuding with the women, was the the hero that came in for the three count. But um, it's a fun match. It felt like it was almost two different matches, though, because like to your point, like moves happened and things went back and forth. But it didn't really hit like a a pace of who's going to win this until after the referee got hit with the chair. And yeah. <laughs> then they kind of went to an extra gear on, on it. Um, and then I, I'm just going to throw out our, our uh, get our bail, bills paid here. I did notice that Pentagon came to the ring wearing a Mask Republic shirt, one that I actually purchased from them. So uh if you watch this match and you like Pentagon shirt, I'm sure you can find it in Mass Republic store right now. So there you go. Uh, happy birthday, Kevin. Yeah. <laughs> Miranda, go ahead and give us your thoughts. So uh, to me, I wanted to know a little bit about how they got to this point. So um, in seeing kind of a little bit of the history that that got to this match, um, I did see that Pentagon Jr. did win the 2016 Rita Reyes um, tournament um, in defeating uh, La Parca and uh, Viano. Um, and then from there, that was able to build him as a champ, uh, a challenger to the Latin American championship match. And so, uh, the, really the match itself, I thought was really entertaining. The entrances and the build up at the beginning was really, really great. And this was, you know, at a big height for both, uh, wrestlers. And so I really sense that in the crowd and, uh, the way that they were both received. Um, you know, I, to, to me, to kind of the action outside of the ring was more of the interesting part for me because I was trying to get a sense of, uh, you know, this was Cero Mero. Uh, and so how aggressive and kind of crazy, um, uh, uh, Pentagon could be. Um, but I think, you know, in, in that kind of face or technical side, Psycho Clown is the type who will fight right back and get as crazy. Um, and so I just really loved the back and forth. I also just visually loved that half green, half white mask of, uh, of Psycho Clown. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought good that with was the blue hair. Like, yeah. Just, yeah. Really Visually, really liked both of, of this, you know, uh, the attire, um, that they had. But I mean, just to echo a lot, already you guys have mentioned a lot of what, um, was interesting in the match for me. Um, but I just, in just the final notes as far as just the crowd, the look and the action outside of the ring made this really entertaining to, to watch and i get you know those so i think in lucha libre matches there you do have to kind of work a little bit harder to find the logic but exactly in that ref bump like dirantes even though he is a brutal ref comes out he does his job he will always do a, a three count it will be slow like molasses but he will do it and that's been a very fascinating thing in learning about you know rudo referees and even just the different like the fact that there are rudo referees in lucha libre that was such a concept to me when i really first started watching because you know, in American wrestling, you don't see that outside of the very few. Um, and it's, or it, it's looked at, but it's not as, it's more done in a storyline and that's mm-hmm. it. 
Whereas in Lucha Libre, it is a very consistent thing, regardless of story. You just have, you know, uh, rural and technical referees. And sometimes you have them in the same match. Um, but at the end of the day, it's a very definitive line that they have or definitive role that they serve and, and they're still doing their job. Um, so it is one of the things about Lucha Libre that's very unique, but also works well, has worked well. Um, and I think will continue to work well. So yeah, go, go on, on the referent. Uh, that's my last piece. <laughs> last you, can, you can rely on this show to go on referents. <laughs> referents. That's the new segment. Thanks everyone yeah. for your feedback on that. <laughs> this was a segment of reference. <laughs> uh, well, that was this week in Lucha Libre history. As Dusty mentioned, don't forget to check out luchacentral.com for this day in Lucha Libre history. But there is so much more at luchacentral.com than just that. Brendan, why don't you tell our listeners what else they can find? Absolutely. So if you're listening to this and you haven't visited LuchaCentral.com, it really is time to do it. LuchaCentral.com is the online home for Lucha Libre, where you can get all of the top news in English and in Spanish. Find the best curated video content and original content not seen anywhere else. Find when Lucha Libre events would be happening in your area. And I'm going to stress this point right now because we're coming back to that. There's no better way to stay on top of this than going to a, a website like Lucha Central. Uh, find photo galleries from top photographers covering Lucha Libre around the world. A place to have your voices heard from weekly polls to annual awards, seen and read by top executives and all of the major Lucha Libre promotions across the globe. And here we go. This is the nail. This is it. On top of all of this, it's free. LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. Well, we sell WWE. It's still a thing. Uh, so, yes, you want to... <laughs> Sorry, I just... No, that's... I, I, I promise there are no reference in this. Yeah. No reference. That is very, very true. Yeah. We actually have some, some good uh, things to talk about, about Raw, no less. Yeah. Uh, which is, is not yeah, uh, we, a typical thing, but uh, yeah, Dusty, go, go ahead. Yeah, we usually don't have much Raw content, but this week we had no SmackDown content. We had Raw content, a little unusual. First up, we had the Lucha House Party. Backstage, Nikki Cross has a new superhero gimmick with a mask, and they just congratulated her on it and told her that it was a real nice mask, and that was it. But Lindsay had an amazing new tiger you know lindsay style mask that was inspired by 1998 kane's mask and like so cool red with the black looks fantastic they also had a match on main event this week i have not had the time to watch it but i wanted to mention they were on main event this week so anybody wants to watch it later will i'll watch it if it's great we'll talk about it next week but then our main match content for Raw this week, we had Ricochet versus John Morrison. And it sure wasn't Johnny Mundo versus Prince Puma. Like, we saw that match in Lucha <laughs> Underground. This was not that match. That's not it. Yeah, it was still pretty okay. It wasn't bad. It felt a little choreographed in that usual John Morrison way. You know, like the WWE John Morrison choreographed feel. Uh, but the ending was the real interesting part. Morrison is sitting on the barricade on the far side to the camera, and Ricochet hit an amazing flying crossbody from the top rope that caused what might ordinarily be a unique double countout, 
but we also saw a double count out between Ricochet and Umberto a few weeks ago. So this seems to be like their go-to <sighs> finish lately for Ricochet. I'm not sure why, but he's always catching the double the count out instead of getting the pin. It's a so little unusual. Jim Ross would coin that as a kissing your sister finish. <laughs> so I'm going to just put that out into the internet. Um, meme at your leisure, but Ricochet kissing his uh, his sister should be something that we see trending. Just saying. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> uh, we also had news this week about Vince McMahon. It was reported that Vince was going to be visiting, and as of the day of recording, had visited the Performance Center, and he was going to be scout- talent scouting for the main <sighs> roster himself, like checking things out. Wait, he knows they have a Performance Center? Apparently. Shit. And he and- was just told about that this week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I think was in, they were looking at budget cuts. He was looking at the budgets, like, what is this thing that we feed so much money to? Then they, you know, someone explained to him, oh, it's a Performance Center, this thing they have in Florida. And he's like, I should... Then should check it out. I should totally. Yeah. <laughs> he probably does call himself a third person too. Uh, What's going on uh, here, pal? And, and, and <laughs> in order for, again, because I, I, I hated the story so much. In order for people to understand why we're stressing this, that it's so weird, is that famously, when NXT call-ups have happened, the story usually is that Vince has no idea what he's getting. Like one of the, I can't remember which one it was. One of the bigger call-ups, he just said to. Triple H, give me your four best guys. He didn't, he didn't yeah. say names or anything. He just, I need to do call-ups. We're going to spice up our, our main event stuff here. Give me your four best guys. So him showing yeah. up at the performance center is huge news. Yeah. It's a, it's huge. a very big deal. <laughs> uh, Sean Michaels is one of the, you know, head trainers there now. And he and Sean have always had a very good relationship, it seems. And so, you know, that may be part of it too. And they say that Sean is one of the biggest advocates for the newer style of wrestling backstage, you know, that he's, he's kind of their champion back there. So that makes it interesting too. And we saw main roster dark matches on main event with Karrion Cross and Bronson Reed. We've also heard that Karrion Cross and Scarlett have had a couple of dark matches both separately and together. And so maybe Vince was down there to check those guys out, kind of mm-hmm. in their own element, see how they translate from NXT to the main event. It's just like Brendan said, this never happens. And it's really interesting and really exciting that he might be taking a personal investment in it. Because when Vince wants to, he can do a good job. He's just gotten complacent and old. It's and, just also terrifying because yeah, he, yeah. <laughs> he typically has not been aware of the product down there, and that's what allowed it to be so good, in my opinion. <laughs> um, yeah, you don't want to take <laughs> too much investment in NXT. Just yeah. To, just when they call them up, so. Yeah. But it's it's uh it's part of the Peacock deal now, so he yeah. has to be more aware of it. If the if it performs well or badly, it reflects on him and that deal that he made. So, <sighs> okay. Yeah. I, yes. I I'm st- I I saw this in our in our thing, and I'm still not ready for this news. I just. <laughs> <laughs> 
Yeah, who knows? I also believe Shotzi Blackheart had a, a dark match, or was uh, there was stories uh, uh, circulating that she was also getting a dark match. So, uh, and that's a, another thing with all of the releases that have happened recently. They do need to kind of restock uh, their rosters, especially mm-hmm. say like for the SmackDown women's roster. I uh, believe only has like six active. I- yeah, yeah. Uh, I think I think you're right. It's they have more active wrestlers on the SmackDown Women's Division than they do in 205. Which well, is, yeah, 205. That that's a whole conversation we'll, we'll have. I just they, I just want to point out that yeah, I mean, like a lot of people. So we it's it's very newsworthy on this because there's a lot of luchadors that have come through the 205 program. There are currently, after all of the layoffs, only five wrestlers. One of which is Brian Kendrick that are active on the 205 roster. So we may be seeing those people going back to NXT or getting pulled up to the main roster. Those other four people are probably not going to see Brian Kendrick do a lot more wrestling at yeah. this point. And, and there hasn't yeah. been an official word on exactly the direction of 205 Live. So either they're going to kind of replenish 205 Live with a lot of these newer signees that they've brought in or people mm-hmm. from the Performance Center that who may not be at the level of NXT uh, but, you know, want to, to have them do something or this could be how 205 Live slowly goes away. Apparently, um, with the views that they get on Hulu, it, it's pretty successful for the company. So not sure if that, you know, if they're going to completely get rid of it, if it's somewhat lucrative, even a, a little bit. Uh, they're, but, they're under yeah. contract to have that show on Hulu yeah. for at least another year. So. Yeah. We will so, be getting something. Yeah, yeah. I think it's just a lot more of these newer signees are going to be taking and stepping in um, to 205 Live. So that will be very, very interesting to see. But to back to the original point, Shotzi getting a tryout, would, she would be, uh, for a long time, before this wave of firings, we were saying that the SmackDown women's division needed an injection. Uh, so I've been counting my blessings every time we get another week of Shotzi on NXT because she would fit in perfectly in the SmackDown program. Uh, she's athletic and interesting and a character just as much as she is a wrestler. So it's, I mean, you know, count, count, count the days. Enjoy Shotzi in NXT while you can because I, I feel like we're going to see her feuding with somebody blonde in the near future. <laughs> Very true. Well, that is, oh, no, no, there is. There's one more piece of news uh, that we talked. This is just more, you know, auxiliary, uh, auxiliary <laughs> news, but uh, pretty good uh, Lindsay Dorado signing on Raw. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they came out, yeah, to congratulate Nikki. Again, he had that super cool 1998-style cane-inspired mask. Looked incredible. Check it out on social media if you haven't seen it. If you follow me on social media, you've already seen it. It was fantastic. (laughs) Also, they haven't been fired. So to what we were just talking about, we may see more of them in the near future. It may not be great stuff, but yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It'll be exciting. Mm -hmm. Well, up next, we have an MLW update. We had the final round of the draft happen this week and a pretty interesting announcement as far as new signees. It was announced that Matt Cross has been drafted to Azteca Underground, specifically to Azteca Underground, uh, which, again, 
the the conspiracy theories and the boards with the lines and the charts are only growing. He um, looks like Matt, a guy I saw on another show. Well, yeah. that's what we're going to talk about <laughs> real quick is that uh, Matt Cross has been with MLW before. He debuted with them back in 2004 and did work under uh, uh, the character Son of Havoc in Lucha Underground. What? Um, I know. I know. It just, uh, it's just, the stars are aligning. All these things are, are happening. Uh, it truly feels like the second coming of Lucha Underground, uh, specifically with this uh, signee. Yeah. Um, they do also mention, you know, he's an international wrestler. He's wrestled really 28 different countries, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't necessarily... Like yeah, something super uh, broad, you know, but uh, they don't necessarily allude too much to the history uh, with him and maybe uh, Dario slash Caesar Duran, just that he was specifically drafted under the Azteca underground umbrella. Um, so we will see what happens there. It, it is that he is going to wrestle as Matt Cross, um, at least now. Sure. Who knows you know, if that's sure. going to change. Yeah. Um, he might put on a black hood. Who knows? Yeah. Who knows? <laughs> I don't know. But, uh, but yeah, I, I was super excited when I saw this I, <laughs> because uh, one wrestler, Mil Muertes, King Muertes, whatever you want, could be a coincidence. But getting Matt Cross tells me combine that with the rumor that they are filming in LA it tells me they're really trying to recapture some of this magic like you know and and uh, I just for for people here I don't know uh I I Dusty was I believe Matt Cross was on one of like Wrestling Society X was that Yes yeah, yeah he was which yeah, is another TV show yeah which is another thing that Kevin had a hand in too so mm-hmm. Uh, he has a huge lucha background, not mm. just lucha underground, but yeah, yeah, uh, really a, a huge international background. I mean, he can really wrestle multiple styles, which is a perfect combination in MLW that highlights a fusion of different wrestling styles. Um, mm-hmm. But it does kind of go back to what you're saying, at least storyline wise too, make it feel like Azteca underground is going to be its own uh, identity that with the addition of King Muertes and, and now Matt Cross, there's going to be enough of uh, reference to maybe the past that, you know, I, I mean, man, it's just maybe just one of those unmentionables that everyone's going to know, but they're not going to say it, you know, blankly. It's just going to continue to be alluded to it, which, you know, it's kind of the fun thing, again, kind of for smart wrestling fans to know, but for it to never be blatantly stated is is kind of yeah. interesting. Yeah. Um, we do also have an updated list of participants for the 40-man battle riot that's going to be happening uh, on July 10th. Um, we already mentioned King Muertes was going to be a part of it. Uh, we have TJP, as far as Lucha-related entrance. There's many, many more uh, on here. But as far as Lucha-related uh, wrestlers, TJP, Gino Medina, Aramis, Eddie's, 
uh, Savio Vega, Lee Moriarty, Gringo Loco, and Zenshi um, have all been uh, listed as participants. That doesn't even include, you have people like Calvin Tankman, Kevin Koo, King Mo, uh, Hammerstone, the Von Erics, Richard Holiday, much, much more. And of course, this is a 40-man battle royal. So, you know, you never know who are going to be the surprise entrants, who is going to come back uh and, and, you know, come back into the fold of MLW. It'll be very, very interesting to see how this battle riot folds out. We also did get confirmation that we are going to see Davey Richards versus TJP as part of the July 10th event. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, this is coming up to be such a big return for MLW. I always like to point out when we talk about the roster, Hammerstone may not be directly Lucha, but he has always been on the record. I'm saying that he loves working with Luchadors. Yeah, I was going to say he was just uh, based out of Phoenix, just worked a Lucha show yeah. here this past weekend. He works regularly for Lucha Promotions um, here in Arizona and California. Um, mm-hmm. So he is a, a regular in the Lucha scene out here on the West Coast. Yeah. So definitely keep an eye on him in that uh, battle riot. He's probably going to have some interesting, fun mix-ups with uh, the luchadors that are involved. We also got a new episode of MLW Underground this week. Uh, very historic and pretty lucha-centric. Um, this one featured uh, Teddy Hart versus uh, Brian Danielson. I think this was his very first uh, debut was- match. This was billed as his debut in MLW, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, we also have Los Maximos versus Julius Smokes and Norman Smiley, um, which was actually a pretty fun match. Um, and I just forgot. I, I haven't watched a Norman Smiley match in such a long time. Um, <laughs> but I, I just adore his energy. And uh, I know Norman worked in Mexico as, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so, I mean, yeah, there's just always you just never quite know um, how. Uh, you know, who's, who's crossed the border and, and who's had experiences in different places of the world. Um, but that it was a, it was a really fun, great match, but especially being able to see Norman Smiley, how over he was with the crowd, mm-hmm. his movements, but also just the little quirks that he did in the ring to get people going, um, I think is so undervalued. Yeah. Uh, I, loved that i i love both of the matches on this but i was definitely drawn in with that that yeah. tag team opener um yes and- the, tag team. the other match uh we had well it's hard I'm trying to remember exactly how it pulled out we had the havana pitbulls uh but it wasn't supposed to be the havana pitbulls yeah yeah i don't remember the the, the holster they were a replacement yeah. um well they attacked the other team which one of them being masked was oh oh gosh i forgot his name uh yeah I, yeah this, yeah yeah <laughs> this is the part where i was having trouble yes yes trouble it, too. it was hard to watch but anyways this week's underground uh again another great episode um the opening tag team match was great the tag team match after that with the havana pitbulls uh was fantastic um and uh, again, there was some shenanigans uh, as the the match started, as which we were we were kind of talking about. Um, but it, it overall, you know, 
was was great and then you have a teddy hart promo which i think equates to like a modern day ultimate warrior uh <laughs> i literally got some ultimate warrior vibes as i listened yeah. to that teddy hart promo um but at least the ultimate warrior had like more feeling in his promos mm-hmm. there was there was a kind of magic with ultimate warriors word salad uh whereas teddy yeah just kind of confused me Yes, I think that's the best way to describe it. It was kind of con- confusing, uh, but it was, uh, what was I going to say? It was the Havana Pitbulls versus the Stampede Bulldogs. Um, and, uh, you, we had, I think it was TJ P- Perkins or T, mm. I should forget. One, one of the Stampede, uh, not Perkins. It's not, yeah. No, it's not no, 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 no. Tyson Kidd. Ty- right? Tyson, Tyson Kidd. Yeah, yeah, Tyson Kidd. I don't yes, remember yeah, how yeah. he was billed before Tyson Kidd. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah Tyson it was like Kidd. TJ Kidd or something. Yeah, yeah. So Tyson Kidd was in that match um, as, as part of the Stampede Bulldogs. And so, yeah. Sorry. So much wrestling happening that uh, it <laughs> yeah. just should have taken better notes on this. But uh, this is a heavy episode yeah. is what we're the the breakdown yeah especially having the debut of uh brian danielson um against uh teddy hart that itself too is is a pretty high profile but again i like the opening tag match um that was one of my favorites for this week's mlw underground it was really fun i enjoyed that one yes so july 10th MLW comes back, uh, so make sure you stay tuned. We are absolutely going to keep our eye on this. Also, again, that could be the date where we find out more about Azteca Underground, so stay tuned uh, to this show as we get more information about MLW and Azteca Underground. Up next, Brendan has a brief CMLL update. Yeah, so CMLL is back pretty much in full swing, so... Just like I mentioned with the, the indie roundup, uh, let me know how detailed you want the results to be. These, uh, all of the re- results are available on Lucha Central. Uh, so you will, even if I don't read off your, the event that you're curious about, they, you will find it there, but they filmed TV this week. They filmed a, a Tuesday show. They filmed a Friday show. Friday shows tend to be the ones that are on pay-per-view. So that's the, where I'm focusing on right now. Uh, so at 6.25, we had a show. It was a six-match show. I'm going to start halfway through the card. Uh, we had Cancer Robo, Mephisto, and Raziel against Atlantis Jr., Panteria del Ring, and Panteria del Ring Jr. Uh, the, the, the team of Cancer Robo, Mephisto, and Raziel, so, you know, Team Hell, basically, uh, they won, uh, it was a, it's a fine match. This is CMLL has a lot of comparisons, in my opinion, to, to to WWE right now. They have a really talented deep roster that could do much more fun and interesting matches, but they do a lot of safe matches, and that's this is a fine example of that. You had six guys that could do a lot of fun things, a good mix of young talent and and uh, old vets. But you got it. It was interesting enough. You had Quatero, Forastro, and Sanson in the next one against Atlantis, Mystico, and Star Junior. Again, the the Rudos came out on top on this one. Uh, Quatero, Forastro, Sanson get the win on this one. And then the main event, you had Templario and Volador Junior against Caristico and Virus. 
Uh, this was for uh, the Torneo Incredibly de Parejas, which is why you'll notice that each team has a Technico and a Rudo on it. Uh, the uh, team of Templario and Volador Jr. came out with the win on this against Caristico and Virus. Uh, so, again, interesting, they, but they seem to be leaning on these incredible pairs right now while they have more of a diminished roster. So I was a bit less uh, less interested in this than the, the match right before it. Um, and then on the Tuesday taping, which we got results on, I, there was a significant event that happened. Felino, who is, uh, by wrestling standards, a, an old man, was able to win the uh, CMLL uh, or the Mexican Light Heavyweight Championship against Barbario Cavernario, which uh, some people are speculating is is leading in, in into an apuestas feud. So uh, there, that's our our brief results. As I mentioned before, please we'll do socials at the end. You can let me know, or you can talk to anybody. Do you want more CMLL? Because between CMLL and IWRG, we could probably do a whole two-hour show just on their, yeah. their programming. Um, and then uh, we do – they do have a big pay-per-view coming up soon, which we will, uh, do plan to cover. Uh, they're going to have the, the Leyenda de Plata tournament on pay-per-view. So it's currently – uh, only about $10 American to get it. If you want to see an interesting tournament, this is probably a good way to do it. Uh, again, they, that's uh, Ticketmaster Mexico. So if you need help figuring out how to order it, you can, you can send me an, a, a message and I'll, I'll help you work your way through it. Uh, but yeah, that's our quick CMLL update this week. Up next, we have a brief NWA update, uh, specifically a promo from Mega Wolf and BCS666. They were on this week's episode of Power. They came out to cut a promo, uh, really interrupting the tag match, a uh, six-man tag match between Aaron Stevens, Captain Yuma, and Mims versus Kratos, Luke, and PJ Hawks. And La Rebellion, as they're still being called, uh, came out and pretty much called out NWA in the tag team division. Uh, quote, you're making a mockery, not only of our sport, but those titles you're so desperately trying to hang on to. So uh, it looks like Mega Wolf and Beastia 666 are going to be staying around the NWA. Looks like they may be trying to challenge for the tag titles at some point. Uh, but I think that they are continuing to make a pretty strong presence within in the NWA. Um, I think they're being received well. And uh, I think they're going to keep on kind of doing these types of interrupters. Like they're not going to keep following any rules. They're going to keep doing what they want, how they want, when they want. And I think it's kind of a refreshing feeling to kind of do that within the NWA, which is much more known for having structure and tradition. I kind of like this feeling of Mega Wolf and Beastia 666 coming in and kind of turning it on his head a little bit, but still also putting an emphasis on good wrestling. Um, so it, it's a, a a little bit of, of a vibe of Legado de Fantasma, but not because it's just more on them being super good competitors compared to the quality that they see in the NWA and not so much necessarily focused on Lucha Libre, but it is a big part of their identity and their wrestling style. So uh, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm continuously excited to have this Lucha Libre presence on NWA. I think it's something that they're missing and it makes, you know, just add some level of u- uniqueness to their product. 
super on point for their their the La Rebellion's brand to be doing mm-hmm. what they're doing too, yeah. with just kind of speaking out and doing what they feel is necessary because that's that's the history. La Rebellion was supposedly a group that broke off from a wrestling promotion in Mexico, I believe it was AAA. And and did their own because they didn't like what was going on there and tried to create their own thing. So them doing bringing that whole spirit to the NWA is perfect, in my opinion. Okay. Again, NWA Power is available on Fight TV. Um, it is behind a paywall, so you do have to pay, but they do have segments and clubs available on their YouTube channel and on social media. Finally, as we normally do, we end on the note of Impact Wrestling this week. Uh, and really just two matches to make note of. One is uh, TJP and Fala Bob versus Rich Swan and Willie Mack. Um, on paper, this sounded really, really good. And it started off well, but just a few minutes into the match, uh, Violent by Design uh, came out and just annihilated everybody. So we didn't have a final. Uh, we, we, this ended with a no contest because everybody was uh, eliminated. Uh, but it does make me think about, you know, are we going to see maybe a triple threat match for the tag titles with Violent by Design? Maybe with Willie Mack and Rich Swan and TJP and Falaba. Um, we see TJP not really in the X division right now. Both Rich Swan, I mean, Rich Swan is out of the title picture. Um, and also kind of his program with W. Morrissey has kind of concluded. So I am for this if we do get some kind of maybe triple threat tag team match somewhere along the line. Uh, but it's one of those things that it ended before you could get something really, really good. And then in the main event, we had a six-man tag, uh, uh, Moose, Chris Sabin, and Sammy Callahan versus Kenny Omega, Doc Gallows, and Carl Anderson. A thing to note for Lucha Libre fans, or not, this was just kind of an interesting way of presentation. Uh, but Kenny Omega, this time around, I feel like the first time in a long time, did not come out with all of the belts. Uh, first... Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows came out with two belts. Uh, I believe uh, Doc Gallows came out with the TNA championship and Carl Anderson came out with the Impact, I'm sorry, with the AEW World Championship. And then Don Callis came out with the AAA Mega Campeon and did a little Spanish speaking as he was representing apparently uh, the, the AAA Mega Championship. So, um I don't know if that offended anyone in Mexico. I I, I don't know. Uh, it's also, you know, Canada Day today. So I don't, you know, if that starts a war, I mean, I'm out of it. I'm not, I'm not start. you know, we were not involved in this. Strictly between Canada and Mexico at this point. And then uh, Kenny Omega came out with just the Impact World Championship around his waist, which to me was kind of a strange look. Uh, not in a bad way. I think it's great. But it was just one of those things that as this whole, you know, title collector gimmick to me has lost its luster. You wonder, you know, wh- why are they continuously kind of doing this? Um, and it was on an episode of Impact. So I get it. It's not a huge deal. But you know, when you have so many titles, you can't even wear them. You have Don Callis wearing, you know, the the AAA Mega Campion, uh, Campeonato Championship, and you know, Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows wearing your other two. What's the kind of yeah. the point? So uh, just I, a li- a little thing. 
I, I found it interesting, uh, that, cause they were, they pushed the, the images of this a little bit on social media, but there's, it's, there's the, he has the two belts representing this, this company, and he's wearing the, the Impact Championship, not the TNA Championship. Yeah, so, that's a whole other thing where <laughs> really it feels like the TNA championship was just reactivated just to give Kenny another belt. The yeah. Impact World Championship is the much more recognized active championship. The TNA championship was a whole storyline that really Moose generated and got started and got over. And when this happened, if Kenny wanted to collect the belts, it didn't really, I think for them it was, or him or whoever, I'm not exactly sure who's all of the parties involved, but it was more, here's another shiny belt that you can wear and make nice, but really the, the company doesn't recognize the TNA championship um, as heavily as the Impact World Championship. I, I truly do think, I don't know how long this has been in the works, but almost at this the, the TNA championship was just reactivated just so that Kenny could have something else shiny well, to wear. According to uh, an interview, I don't remember who was being interviewed at this point because it's one of the many weird this because of all the multi-promotion stuff going on. This has all been mapped out for well over a year. Uh, according to, I think it was Tony Khan that said it. I don't remember anymore. Well, and yeah, and uh, there has been, uh, stories and news, uh, circulating that this has been planned out, mapped out to the point where they know already who, yeah. uh, you know, Kenny is going to, to lose these belts mm-hmm. to, uh, especially the impact one, um, that they know they've already set that up. So, uh, it, uh, that does go in alignment with some of the other stories going around, though we don't know the specifics of that. Um, yeah, they're, they're, they're still being very tight lipped about the details because it is mm-hmm. one. So we can speculate that that first time the Tony Khan made the whole, uh, that the tides of wrestling are about to magically shift and then nothing really happened for months. Till months later, we can speculate that that was when ink had dried on at least one of these deals. But uh, that tends to support your theory that the uh, impact or the TNA championship was reactivated just to add more luster to this uh, belt collector gimmick. Yeah. And in that match, uh, the team of Kenny Omega, Doc Gallows and Carl Anderson won with Carl Anderson getting the win. Um uh, Doc and, and Carl Anderson landed the magic killer on Chris Sabin. Um, and deep in this match, uh, Moose and Chris Sabin are going to be facing each other at Slammiversary. So that tension played a role throughout the match and ultimately the end. Um, Slammiversary is, uh, happening July 17th still. Um, we do have some, again, match announcements. It is official. Kenny Omega will be facing Sammy Callahan, uh, for the Impact Championship. Um, other matches are going to be announced. Another notable thing, um, and I don't, again, I really don't know what the relationship is between Impact and AAA, but Deanna Parasso did wrestle on Before the Impact, which is kind of the pre-show. They did not mention anything about her program in AAA. They didn't mention that she's going to be wrestling Lady Shawnee. Um, they didn't re- mention anything about the Triple Mania uh, match that's coming up, though they did heavily promote New Japan. You did have New Japan wrestlers on there. They did mention that the Good Brothers were going to be 
be going back uh, onto New Japan Television. So um, I, I know that AAA is not necessarily been embedded with Impact for quite some time, but I no. also think it's another way of uh, essentially New Japan's making out good with all these U.S. promotions promoting them uh, between AEW and Impact. They're getting a really good deal. Um, but it also will make it very curious as they lead to Triple Mania if they are going to have any mention of uh, Deanna Prasso's match against um, uh, Lydia not, Patch. It's not a good sign. I mean, that's yeah. supposed to be a belt versus belt match. They should yeah. they should be building that up. And yeah. it's like because no matter what happens, whether Deanna Prasso wins or loses, they have to explain it after after yes. the match. So why the heck aren't they building? Uh, um, I did have one other question for you on clarification because they said this on AEW. Did the Good Brothers were were are they uh, in storyline? They're not officially Impact anymore. They were they released from Impact or by some authority figure? No, they're still on Impact. Yeah, they're well, still I know, listed. I know there's. I know there's. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, no, no. I don't, I, nothing that, the only person who was technically released, quote unquote, from their role was Don Callis. Okay. Um, he was officially fired from his role at Impact. Um, so the Good Brothers are still on contract, still as listed as talent for Impact Wrestling. Um, and then well, that is, yeah, that that's still at least television wise how it's still being presented. But I think that that you do make a good point as far as television. Um, that just happened, I believe, last week where Don Callis was officially uh, again fired from his role at Impact. Yeah, they, uh, the on the AEW programming they said that the Good Brothers were released from that other promotion, which could have been Impact or it could be New Japan. I don't know. So I was just trying to see if you had any insight on that. Yeah, no, not not that I I'm aware of. I believe they're still they're still on TV Impact uh, unless they just that's more of a WWE dig. I don't even know. <laughs> I don't even know anymore who AEW tries yeah. to go after. That's I, that's the beauty of this this whole thing is what yeah they can do these little digs like that. Well, that does it for this week's episode of the Lucha Central Weekly Podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to check out LuchaCentral.com, your centralized place for all things Lucha Libre. Make sure to visit Lucha Central on social media, at Lucha Central on Facebook and Instagram, and at LuchaCentral.com on Twitter. you got to check out the YouTube page. Lots of amazing content, including matches and interviews that you're not going to find anywhere else. And, of course, our episodes of our podcast that you may have to uh, log in and do an age check. <laughs> I did so good, and then I said ass, and then I don't know what I, happened. So. I, I slipped and did one this week, too, when Vince was spotted at the Performance Center. Yeah. So, you know. Things, could, things are, are, could be worse. Yeah. Sorry for all the parents we've disappointed. Trust me, mine have been super disappointed for quite some time. So I'm actually pretty good at that. Um, anyways, uh, while you're at it, go ahead and follow us on social media. Dusty, where can our listeners find you? I am on Facebook at facebook.com slash Dusty Murphy. And I am on Instagram at Dusty Murphy. And Brendan, where can our listeners find you? I am 321 T-Shirt Guy. That's the numbers. 321 T-Shirt Guy is all spelled out. I'm on Facebook, 
I'm on Instagram and I'm all over the Twitter. And me, Miranda Morales, you can find me at the hashtag Miranda on Instagram and Facebook hashtag spelled out. If you are listening to this show through one of your favorite podcast streaming platforms, Google Play, iTunes, iHeartRadio, uh, whatever it is, don't forget to subscribe rate and review subscribe so that way you get notifications every time a new episode of the lucha central weekly podcast comes out you can leave us a five-star rating and leave us a review let us know your thoughts as we mentioned earlier in the show do you want changes to the format are there certain promotions you want to hear more about or hear less about are there things that we're talking about that interest you or are there things that we're not talking about that you wish that we did whatever that may be Make sure you leave us a review. Reach out to us. That way we know so that we can tailor this show to you, the listeners. Thank you so much again for listening. For Brendan Barr and Dusty Murphy, I'm Miranda Morales. Thank you so much, and we will be back next week.